Come, sit. Your helmets, remove them. Your faces I wish to see. There's not much to look at here, sir. We all share the same face. Deceive you, eyes care. In the Force, very different each one of you are. There's over 150 hours of Star Wars on film. This is the Star Wars binge where we select, order, and elevate the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon. My name is Jeff Cook. I am a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and in Chicago, Illinois, is the Daniel Mothershed, playwright, comedian, and pop culture enthusiast. That is true. Here I am. How's it going, Daniel? It is going really well. Very well. We are tackling the very first episode ever released of The Clone Wars. This is season one, episode one, but it falls at number seven in our binge list. In true Star Wars counting fashion, episode one is episode seven <laughs> for us. It, it feels like you've made the right choice. <laughs> well, since we're starting at the beginning here, let's talk about the beginning of your relationship with Star Wars. What was your first Star Wars experience? The first, the first Star Wars film I saw was the first one or the fourth one. I, I don't I don't remember what age. It was young. It was it was elementary school, like like mostly everyone I know who who enjoys and loves Star Wars. I remember it was the summer. I remember working. My father was an independent contractor for most of my life, and we had worked with him on a job. And it was the Friday of that job. We stopped at the uh, unfortunately now closed and late lamented Hastings uh, Entertainment Store. Books, movies. Uh, it was it was it was like it was like Willy Wonka's factory, but if you wanted to buy slightly dirty uh, CDs, DVDs, and books, and and maybe have to get a hepatitis shot, uh, we we but we stopped there and we rented. My dad was talking about Star Wars, and we didn't really know what Star Wars was, but it was like all right, it was time for him to introduce his children to Star Wars. So we 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 rented a New Hope. And my first real memory of Star Wars is is watching that in my parents' living room and being properly terrified of Darth Vader to the point of, <laughs> of hiding behind the couch or or going out of the room. Right. That so that's my first real memory of Star Wars is is sort of the nostalgia around my dad kind of showing us this thing that was important to him and then also the character of Darth Vader being truly terrifying because it was the voice and the the look of the costume and the first time you see him he's you know thrown a guy he's picked a guy up by the throat thrown him against a wall so that's just that's that's so crisp in my head mm. for myself I have a real fuzzy memory of being in a theater watching Empire and and being confused and likewise terrified. <laughs> My first real vivid memory of Star Wars was the marketing for Return of the Jedi, which at the time was Revenge of the Jedi, and that's why I know it's authentic, because it was pitched, and I was really into it. I was really into, it, this is coming out, and I'm excited for it, because we also had a recording off of CBS of uh, New Hope. And it had commercials in it and everything. Oh, nice. You know, you fast forward through all the commercials and I wore that tape out. But I would go to school and the the school that I went to, everyone would bring their little Star Wars toys. And so you, you have like 10 kids, each with 10 toys. And then all of a sudden you have an army. It was the best thing ever. Yeah. You know? They had these carrying cases with, have you seen the Darth Vader carrying case? For the Kenners, 
you gotta look this up. It's hilarious. It's it's just the head, right? Yeah, it's, it's like a head. giant head with like a ha- it looks like a carrying case handle. Yep. Yes, I have seen that. You pop it open, and there were just like little. It was a little morgue for, <laughs> you know, for your Kenner toys. You just slide them into their <laughs> spots. As their name. Have you gotten all of them? Uh, it was like an intergalactic morgue freezer. First experiences, man. So. Last time we discussed Clone Cadets, which is the first episode of the third season, and there's basic training of clones into the Grand Army of the Republic, and in that episode we went much deeper into the backstory of the clones and their journeys and towards seeing these characters as having real personality and unique attributes and their journey towards belonging and significance. And we're tackling, again, Season 1, Episode 1, and this is called Ambush. And this first episode released on October 3rd, 2008. Before we jump into this, just uh, this is your first time watching this episode. Any big ideas worth discussing up front? My initial thought was how much I like that it, that it began not focusing on characters we're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. All of the Star Wars films are very much, we pick up with Luke, we pick up with Han. This one picks up with Toydarians, and at least to me, unnamed battle droids and clearly an unnamed Sith character. Again, at least to me. So I like that you're sort of beginning with kind of world building, much in the same way that a lot of the original season of Star Trek begins with just, here's a planet you've never been introduced to, and here are the people that populate that planet that you've never met before you even meet the characters you've shown up to watch, before Mm -hmm. you've met any of the Star Wars characters we've come to love over the years. I agree. I like being just pushed into the pool and... Just start swimming. Here's some people talking to each other, and they're doing something interesting. And yeah, and the characters are also visual, compe- visually compelling. The yeah. the the uniform of of the the sort of Toydarian king or emperor. Mm-hmm. That's very striking, interesting facial hair, armor. It's a really cool character design that is right away striking. It always hits me with this one that the animation looks real early. A lot of the episodes we're going to cover don't have that quality, but this one just it looks early in it. And because of the way that the themes are kind of presented, this one feels like it's more of a cartoon for kids. But I really enjoy this one. Mm -hmm. This is an episode that I could watch, you know, once a month and just love the hell out of it. it. It's just fun, basic and popcorn. Yeah, it's it felt like a lot of fun. It it was just it was just kind of a fun adventure almost from the get go. Yeah. Bang. I'll also say, I think this is the only, at least in my knowledge, the only Toydarians we've met other than the character of Watto in in Phantom Menace. Yep. And I like that these, you're kind of seeing them on their, their home turf and as characters other than sort of stereotype greedy villains. Yeah. Like you, you get a much richer sense of perhaps who these people are outside of this kind of sleazeball guy we, we meet uh, with Anik, young Anakin. Truth. The king is honorable, has a moral code and a moral compass, and judges between separatists and the Republic based on how ethically they handle this situation. Not true of Watto. No, the the antithesis of Watto, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's, only, he's only interested in himself and money. I think he says that at one point. I'm a Toydarian! Mind tricks gonna work on me. Only money. No money, no parts, no deal. And no one else has a T14 hyperdrive, I promise you that. It's a lesson there, I mean, about uh, judging people based on their on their background and the rest, I'm sure. 
Yeah, don't be racist, as is often the message of science fiction films. Be, don't be an, an intolerant <laughs> racist uh, and take care of the planet. <laughs> you do those two things, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah, probably. And if you don't, you're probably a monster. Don't invent self-replicating robots. Right, yeah. Those are the three lessons. No racism, take care of the planet, stay away from self-replicating robots. Actually, that's, I believe it's in a volume that was buried with, uh, with Philip K. Dick. Rules to not screw up everything in the world. <laughs> All right, well, Daniel. Yes, sir. Because you have brought up the proverb the first two times, I went ahead and just wrote down the proverb so that we could discuss it because we, we have generally dove into this. This time, the proverb up front says, great leaders inspire greatness in others. Got any thoughts on this? My first thought, given the last several years we've had, is, man, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. N- nothing, not even any, not even any real specific thoughts other than that. It's just like, yes, oh man, that is, isn't that the truth? And and isn't it exhausting when you don't? It's a good test. If you're not a great leader, the folks who you're overseeing are not thriving. Something like that. Everything might yeah. be about yourself and your success. And you know, honestly, uh, right before we jumped on this call, I actually just watched a, I watched that documentary, Waking Sleeping Beauty, about the Disney Animation okay. Studios. Yeah. Um, and, and they had just talked, it's, it's worth a watch, but, but they talked, the Lion King is on my mind cause they talked about that. And that's a perfect example. Mufasa mm-hmm. is an exceptional leader, cares about his family, cares about the, 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 um, pride in general. And there's, yeah. uh, they thrive, the land thrives, Scar takes over, only cares yeah. about himself and glory. And immediately all of the other animals leave. The ecosystem is thrown into whack. The land dies the people die and everybody's miserable and and the glory that this person intuits for themselves is not there at all. I'll have to look for that. One of my favorite, I I love those. There's a documentary called The Pixar Story, which you may have seen, that does something similar. I I have cried through that a couple of times. So good. In my breakdown of the binge, I've tried to create our own little arcs when you see the list. And this list, starting here, is on leaders. This episode's about leadership. We're going to look next week. We're going to look at rookies, which has a lot of leadership imagery. And then we're going to jump ahead to season six for just a one off episode that has it's, it's some good leader imagery of uh, those who are overseeing the Clone Wars in a galaxy far, far away. Well, we're going to jump into the narrator here up front. This is one of the better narrations because they're actually telling you everything that's taken place to start the whole show. So this has a, a lot of just foundational stuff. Narrator says, A galaxy divided by war. Peaceful worlds must choose sides to face the threat of invasion. Republic and separatist armies vie for the allegiance of neutral planets. Just right there. I mean, that's, I don't know how I missed it the first time. I, I think I really just get into the lightsaber battles and the characters. <laughs> I never really paid attention to the politics. Like, what are they doing here? And that's that's pretty much it. There's the war between these two forces. A lot of the episodes that we're going to talk through are about the neutral planets. Mandalore's a neutral planet. Toydaria here is a neutral planet. It's just over and over again, there's a lot of diplomacy as well as fighting that's taking place in these wars. You know, there, there's the fighting side of wars, but but then there's also the uh, 
try trying to get people to sit at your table in the lunchroom side of of wars like hey come on come on over and be with us mm-hmm. it's depicted in this episode extremely well yeah extremely well and very simply mm. but so well just basic alliances Narrator continues. Desperate to build the Republic supply base in the system of Tadaria, Jedi Master Yoda travels to secret negotiations on a remote neutral moon. I don't know that it's ever said, but I, I watched the making of for this episode, and the and the creators called this. They called it the Coral Moon because all all the all the plant life looks coral. It looks like you're at the bottom it, of an aquarium. <laughs> it totally. I didn't even think about that, but it absolutely does. That's so great. But lots of backstory in the visuals here. We, we're seeing, you know, the war taking place. We see major characters engaging each other. Padme's in here. Windu's in here. Dooku's in here. But there is one character who we need to introduce into the binge and spend some time on. And that would be one Master Yoda, who we have not done uh, our deep dive into. So to start out, let's, let's talk some Yoda. You got to, what's worth what's worth saying about Yoda? Well... I think you could approach that from a, a lot of different ways. You could approach it from his character, but you could also just approach it from what he is in general. The the notion that he, you know, you've got you've got George Lucas and the Henson Company and Frank Oz mm-hmm. teaming up to create. I think one of the most visually unique, uh, vocally unique, and concept unique character I think that's ever been in films. It's true. This is this is a superstar. Here in this first episode, Empire Magazine had him as the 25th greatest movie character of all time. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. The, that's how popular, revered, influential, striking this character is. It's such an archetype character. We talked about the wise old man, actually, in our last episode. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I cannot think of a better example of the wise old man character that you you underestimate him. He is he is old. He is tiny. Mm-hmm. He 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 is sort of sweet looking, and it leads you to to underestimate him and think we got to protect this little old man at all costs. Yeah, and of course and of course you, you you very quickly learn he doesn't need that. <laughs> he doesn't need it at all. In Empire, we go into it cold, and we don't know what to expect. And this character emerges, and he is frail annoying getting in the way filled with whimsy and and the rest but when we watch this episode we know who he is yeah but nobody else does everybody else is in that position of seeing him as as the old frail hermit it's a brilliant misdirect when when you first introduce him in empire yeah yeah he he sort of seems clownish he seems buffoonish um but then once we see him raise that x-wing the 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 intellectual Mm -hmm. Uh, might and mastery of the force that it takes for him to pull that X-wing up, and then to turn to Luke and and kind of give it give him that. That is why you fail. And the whole thing was like you know where he talks about not being judged by his size. Right. I think is 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 a great uh, you know we talked just a little bit ago the really the laws of the universe should just be don't be don't be racist and think badly about other people and that's the thing like don't judge this little guy because of how small he is cuz he can he he's he's a badass the only thing these droids do is judge him by his size god this episode <laughs> some of the best funniest battle droid arrogance yeah. in this episode but just just so how many times they're like I'm terrible at my job, but I guess that's my programming, right? What are you going to do? It's again, this one feels like it's a little bit more for kids, but there are some just great one-liners from 
the droids just as the oh yeah, yeah as the little comic relief there. Yoda's introduction doesn't lead you to underestimate him as much as it does in The Empire Strikes Back, but there is still definitely a good mm-hmm. deal of of he's he's seated in a chair, he's quiet, he's calm. Um, even as they're firing on the ship, he remains very, very calm, and everybody sort of rushes to figure out ways to protect and defend Yoda. Like, we got to get you out of here, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm good. I don't, I don't yeah. actually need your help. I, did you know who I am?" That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. What's What's funny is Filoni. At some point, I heard him say that uh, there's essentially a Superman problem with Yoda. He's too powerful for most scenes that you might have him in. So you can't have Yoda mm. being sent to do some of these jobs because he's just overwhelming in his might. But this episode, you know, it's as though they created a little battle arena and just said, let's just, let's, let's just show what he can do. You know, let's, this, I'm sure they're saying to themselves, can we take Yoda for a spin as it were? You know, it's like we get to drive George's new car <laughs> and <laughs> let, let's see, let's see what we could do if we just unleashed Yoda on the separatist for, for 20 minutes. But it's sort of given out in small doses. If you have like a really nice scotch, uh-huh. you're not going to pour yourself a pint glass of it. Yes. True. You're going to you're going to over the course of twelve months <laughs> pour out just little bits of it and 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 go, oh right, this is why this is such a great thing that I enjoy. And this episode, yeah, as we will get into, you just get these little fits and starts of the things Yoda can do, and it's 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 just the right amount. It's just it's like pepper. Too much of it is destructive, but like the right amount of it is so good. Yeah, it's well played. Do you know one thing? I'll just say, uh, I learned this the other day, just a random Yoda fact. Obviously, Frank Oz has, has done him famously mm-hmm. so many times. Uh, shortly after the release of Empire Strikes Back, they did a radio production of it. And apparently, Frank Oz had zero interest in showing up and just doing the voice and not right. doing the puppet as well. Uh, do you by any chance know who they hired to do the voice of Yoda? Can I guess Mark Hamill? That would have been an amazing guess. It is not Mark Hamill. It's actually John Lithgow. Oh, gosh, that would be fun. Is it, it's, it's out there worth yeah, finding. Yeah, and, and I, I've heard that recording. Oh, come on, you can get down off that log. It's just, I was looking for someone. Looking? I found someone you have, I would say. Yes, but a green gnome isn't what I had in mind. Help you, I can, stranger. Yes? Uh, I don't think so, little guy. I'm looking for a great warrior. Ah, Great warrior! <laughs> Wars not make one great? <laughs> In time for eating have I arrived? <laughs> uh, there's a great Conan uh, interview with Lithgow where, where they talk about some of the iconic characters that he's played, and he's like, and also Yoda. Yeah. Because he was talking to his uh, a theater producer who he was friends with who, dire- who was directing the uh, Star Wars recording, and he's like, I need somebody... To, I need to find somebody to play Yoda, and and Lithgow's audition for the part was just to turn to him and answer him about how difficult that must be in Yoda's voice, and that got him the part. Nearly curious am I. I am wondering, why are you here? Please slay me not. This is a confluence of so many talented people to create this character. It's not just George Lucas and Frank Oz, but obviously the John Williams music brings a lot of texture. That theme. Ralph McQuarrie is is uh, designing the original, 
you know, kind of physicality. The the gentleman who made the actual puppet is named uh, Stuart Freeborn, and he was trying to figure out, well, what does this guy look like? I need kind of a funny face. And apparently he looked in the mirror and he's like, well, I got kind of a unique face. And so he, start, he de- designed the puppet uh. according to his face and he looked at me he's like he, he just doesn't look intelligent enough <laughs> and so he he <laughs> took he took a picture of, of albert einstein and added the einstein eyes and wrinkles and he's like that'll work and that's and that's who uh that's that's how yoda's face got uh, designed at first oh my goodness he took i i'm i'm thinking of a couple of those einstein photographs and like the the yeah. kind just kind of wrinkled corners of the eyes that's totally it. That's it. that's insane. I love the Yoda character building here as much as, really as much as anywhere else. This is, if I could say it, this is the Yoda I want to believe in and see more of. And believe might be a strange word there, but it's like there are times in some of the movies where, like the prequels, where he's very serious and he's much more of a, you know, a, a politician who is having to think through government issues he's a little heavy right and then there's stuff in the original trilogy especially in return of the jedi where he's obviously on his deathbed but this stuff and stuff in last jedi where he is fully secure and is challenging the people in front of him to become their best selves i'm ending all of this tree the text the jedi i'm gonna burn it down he's doing it in a caring way that meets them where they're at even allowing them to fail in front of him and meeting them in their failure so one of the scenes that we see this in is where luke goes to burn down you know the tree and the jedi texts and instead of luke burning it down yoda does it for him And he laughs. Ah, Skywalker, missed you have I. And he is meeting him in those places that he's hurting most. And doing it in a very humorous, I can make fun of you and I'm not judging you kind of way. He did my words, not did you. Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. This, all of this stuff can pass away. You're the thing that really matters. I, I uh, that that side of Yoda is super compelling to me. Well, that's the and that feels like. It's the teacher side of Yoda too. The the notion of of the things you the things that you need or the things that will keep this thing alive is inside of all of us because we are mm. all connected to this to the Force. It it is it it. I mean, he says it in Empire Strike. It surrounds us. It binds us. Connects us. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's all of those things. So you don't need the books. You don't need the tree. You don't need. Mm. You know, it 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 is it is actually incidental. It's almost like Yoda is is a bridge between a very ancient thing and a very new thing. Yeah. 
it's worthwhile. One of the the descriptions of spirituality that come out of Yoda's mouth and empire, which obviously we'll get into someday, is in my mind the best articulation of this spirituality, where it's very simple and very experiential. For my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. Life breeds it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. Yeah. I, li- I don't know that he says it. It might be an Obi-Wan quote, but there's a moment where just, just talking about the, the force when, when they say it, like it, I like the word that it binds us in, in the notion that everybody is like r- truly bound by this thing. Yeah. The force just sounds like a power, but if it's something that is, I haven't thought about this, but if it's something that it, it has connective desires longing to, to, to keep things together or even or pull things together. Man, it's worthwhile. I haven't thought about that. You know what Yoda's species called? If you say baby Yoda, I'm going to hang up this <laughs> this Skype call. <laughs> I don't know. Do you no one knows. Yoda's species is officially called Yoda's species. That's all. <laughs> if you were to look it up, which made me laugh. There's only three known creatures from Yoda's species. Which are uh, it was Yoda. I I, I remembered Yadel, and and I was gonna and and the child. Those were my three that I could yep. think of. And that's it. That's that's all they've introduced. So big fun there. Yeah, I think we I think we hit at this earlier, but you 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 will know that Lucas had planned to do the opposite of Yoda in the prequels, and then his his plans went sideways. There is the character by the side of the road who's the bumbling buffoon who actually is going to be this, the secret to moving everything forward in that. Oh, God. In that <laughs> people reacted so harshly to Jar Jar Binks. He, <laughs> the, where in Empire, Yoda is buffoonish for about five minutes, and then, and then they show you. They decided to, to just show you the buffoonishness of Jar Jar, and then in the next movie, they were going to have the turn. And there was so much backlash, they removed Jar Jar and put in Dooku instead. Th- this is actually the first time learning of this, and I think that's fascinating. I, they, there's um, fantastic. If you look up, the, if you look this up on the YouTube's, there are uh, folks who have done this. There's a theory called the Darth Jar Jar theory. But what they do is they oh, go, yes. they go through Phantom Menace and they show you all the times that that uh, Binks is actually controlling the situation or is doing very like force powered things um he's doing triple backflips he's he'll be in the background mouthing what characters in the foreground are mouthing and it's moving the plot along into the direction he wants it to go it's real interesting and then it's so like one of the theories would be something like this the phantom menace is actually jar jar in the first movie and you don't realize it you think it's palpatine but every but uh, Jar Jar's from Naboo, 
Palpatine is from Naboo. Yeah. And the idea would be something that where Jar Jar would actually be the one who is overseeing Palpatine, and Palpatine is overseeing his apprentice, which is Maul. But everybody's so focused on Palpatine and Maul, you don't see the Jar Jar stuff going on. It's real interesting. Wouldn't that break the the rules of the star if, if Jar Jar is yeah. actually a Sith master and Palpatine is also a Sith master? You couldn't have Darth Maul because isn't it meant to be only two? So we'll see this actually in this episode. Ventress is Dooku's apprentice, and and that's the the unnamed character I mentioned seeing in in the beginning of this episode, right? Yeah. Ventress is the the female character here. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, and we'll talk about Ventress quite a bit. Ventress's stuff in Clone Wars is wonderful. When a, I'll I'll say this more theoretically without specifics, but when an apprentice, so you'll have a master Sith who has their apprentice, so Darth Vader to Darth Sidious. The apprentice can have someone underneath them, but if that if their apprentice becomes too powerful, they become a rival and the rule of two kicks in. And oftentimes that's where the master will come in and cut this short. So in the Clone Wars, we will get to see some of that. It may happen a couple times and they are some of the better stuff when there's a tug of war taking place. And so this is actually what happens in Empire as well. Darth Vader wants to take Luke on as his apprentice. Right. So the question then becomes what does Sidious do? What does Palpatine do in response? And in Return of the Jedi, obviously, he's going to kick Vader to the curb. He's going to take Luke. Right, yeah, he's going to get them to fight each other, and and one of them is going to finish off the other. Yeah. Palpatine is kind of playing a bunch... We talked about this in an earlier episode uh, of The Binge. He has a couple of options out there. He's got Anakin as an option. He's got Dooku as an option. Maul is still out there. And he may just be creating chaos and seeing who, who outlasts. He's playing the field. Come on. That's sleaze. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to talk time and place? This is a uh, Yoda is only 875 years old in this episode. Yeah, you can tell he looks much younger. But I love Yoda's design in this. I think he looks as good in this. This is the only part of the animation that I don't ever second guess i think the way they designed yoda's character in this just looks wonderful oh yeah it's 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 pretty close to perfect i would say not a fan of the look of yoda in the first two movies in episode one and two and so when you jump into this it's like ah that's i don't know it resonates i feel like in episode one and two of the prequel films there's almost he he almost looks older than he does in empire and jedi Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is about that puppet but it is not appealing at all right the narrator tells us here that we are in the Twidaria system which we've hinted at this is a planet that is in hut space so it's in this part of the galaxy that's not controlled by the republic which would you know further the narrative that it's you know it's a neutral system you know as we already said anakin's slaveholder was a creature from uh Twidaria who had to move and is living on tatooine so, but this is the first time in the bench that we're seeing this this kind of creature. So that's where we're at. Yoda is uh, is going to to try and talk the king of the system to be on the side of the Republic during the war. Because Daniel, you know what kids love? Political negotiation. How do you think this trade viceroy will deal with the Chancellor's demands? These Federation types are cowards. The negotiations will be short. 
when, when making a cartoon for the kids, you know, there's three ki- things that kids want. They want toads, milkshakes, and diplomacy in their in their afternoon specials, right? Oh yeah, all of the best all of the best episodes of the Animaniacs are just about <laughs> political discourse. It's about how to take over the world, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Every time, actually, as a matter of fact, it is about <laughs> taking over the world. First scene. We are on the moon's surface. There's a royal delegation. They have arrived at a landing point, and the servant uh, to the king says, We are getting no signal from the Republic, your highness. The king, whose name is Katunko, says, I don't see anything. It is not like the Jedi to be late. Greetings, King Katunko. And then a new character, who looks rather sinister, arrives, and this is one Asajj Ventress, who we will talk extensively about this character in the future. She obviously is, it's a, uh, her, her role is kind of limited here. She's, she is kind of got some mustache twirling going on. But she does it really well. Like she, I didn't know anything about this character and, and I was, I was so much more interested in Yoda and everything else. I really didn't do any, any research into this other than just to think this is a really visually compelling but also just well-performed character. Like the mm-hmm. the the mustache twirliness that she does is is really fun to watch. Yeah. Of all things, Game of Thrones does this where you have a character who's clearly evil. They pushed a little kid out a window. <laughs> yeah. And then you just wait for for a couple of episodes or seasons and things begin to change for said character. And don't be surprised when there's a lot more depth here than just mustache twirling oh yeah that, that that's just good storytelling right venture says i am only a messenger majesty my master wishes to speak with you she holds out a device and a hologram image appears katunko great king of toidaria forgive my intrusion count duku i am aware master yoda hopes you will allow the jedi to build a republic base in your system in exchange for protection, correct? Your spies serve you well, Count. I ask, how can the Jedi protect you if they cannot protect themselves? Well, this is the first time that we've seen Count Dooku in the binge. He was mentioned in The Hidden Enemy, and we see him in flashbacks, but now he is addressing us from a distance through a hologram, and I think that's appropriate. This is actually how it works with uh, Palpatine, we only see him as a hologram in Empire. Yeah, real briefly, too. Fully realized later in Jedi. But he seems to be the leader. He And in fact, is a, as we'll come to see, he's, he's almost on par power-wise, standing-wise, with Yoda later on. And he is the official representative of the Separatists here. And we're going to talk much more about Dooku in two episodes. We're going to do a, a, our deep dive on Dooku but you got any thoughts on Dooku before we jump into the action? I honestly don't. I'm most familiar with him from the prequel films. Sure. And that's another moment where I think he could have been such a cool character. And they also got one of the greatest actors who's ever lived to play him. Mm-hmm. I But I feel like he is he is not dealt with. The same way you get Boba Fett, right? So they talk about Boba Fett being like the best bounty hunter in the galaxy, and you really don't get to see much of him 
in the films. Uh, and, and they they sort of do him wrong by that regard, and that's how I feel about Count Dooku. Like he he is yeah. clearly important. They set him up. the The lore and story behind him sets him up to be amazing. But I feel like we don't get to see much of him, other than he's sort of the the anti hero version of the wise old man uh, in the background. Yeah, that's well said. the The look of his character is awesome mm-hmm. when you see it. I mean, that's a very broad statement, but he looks so great. Like just yeah. the, the lore behind that guy is what that rendering of Christopher Lee in the series looks like. It's, yeah. it's phenomenal. The, the beard and the brow and just that sort of stately, uh, that stately look is killer mm-hmm. and the voice. Yeah. Whoever, I don't have that written down, but the voice acting for Dooku is always on point. It sa- sounds a lot like Christopher Lee cut to a space cruiser. There's clones. Uh, there's one who's in charge of communication. He says, Boydarian Royal Delegation, this is the Republic Envoy. Please respond. General, the Toydarian's beacon is active on the moon, but all our transmissions are being jammed. Yoda affirms this, and there's firing on the ship all of a sudden. We caught them by surprise, all right. Too late it is. Sprung is the track. I heard Yoda's dialect is closest in form to Hawaiian. I must get you to safety, General. Retreat you must. On the moon below is my mission. There, I must go. And that's, and that's we, we alluded to it slightly when we were discussing Yoda in general earlier, but that's such a great character moment and, and tells you so much of who Yoda is because he looks like a little old man in a chair and, yeah. and everybody is firing upon him and everyone is underestimating him and kind of worrying about him and and he almost lets them do it like he sort of enables that um underestimating to happen but then just very calmly says uh, no that you can go if you want but i need to go down there so why don't you get me down there i'm not worried it's just such a very simple but effective way to introduce him in in this episode yeah that's a that's well put throughout this episode there's there's the what would you call this there's the government official who has their bodyguards and henchmen who are around them making sure that they're taken care of and everybody's assuming that's their job with yoda whereas yoda is actually the one who is looking out for his soldiers and seeking to elevate them and he's there to save everybody else (laughs) and make them stronger (laughs) (laughs) and they don't know it yet right right yeah yeah but but they're fixing to find out yes they are Cut back to the moon, Katunko says, I suppose you and your droid armies can do better. Without a doubt. I sense you are one who respects strength, your highness. This is going to be a big part of this entire episode, is going to be the nature of strength. And, and leadership, in, wrapped up in that, yes. Our droid armies outnumber the Republic clones a hundred to one. That's a lot of droids. I suppose if they have, we, we said this in the past, but they have a million clones, so they have a hundred million droids, apparently. Katunko. Perhaps. But I have heard that a single Jedi equals a hundred battle droids. Back to the ship. Yoda says, Quickly now, reach the planet's surface we must. In an escape pod, sir? The enemy will fire at anything we launch. Then launch all of them, you will. It's a clever solution. Oh, yeah, totally. Give a bunch of distractions. There's also a lot of new hope going on here. The The spaceship that they're in looks a little bit like the the Princess Leia's ship 
at the beginning of New Hope. Oh, yeah. And then, obviously, uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 get shot out in the escape pods and go to, you know, to Tatooine. Essentially the same kind of structure here. Dooku says... Uh, Master Yoda's powers have been greatly exaggerated. Which, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you're just, just setting yourself up to, to get kicked in the nuts here, bud. <laughs> <laughs> that remains to be seen, Count. Why say that? Dooku knows how strong Yoda is. Well, I think it's the... It's the fronting of strength, right? If we if we talked about, or he has, excuse me, he has talked about to the king, like you're somebody who admires strength. You're somebody who admires, you know. So he's yeah. It it is sort of I think it's political theater. It is. You're you're trying to appear stronger than you really are, and yeah, look how unfazed I am. Right. <laughs> My hands are rock steady. <laughs> Indeed, when you decide to join us. And that's where we're we're beginning. There's going to be this tug of war over over this king and his allegiances. So we see the escape pod descending to the moon, and droids are missing it. This was the line. What was? What did they say? It's my programming. Hang on. Almost. The, the two battle droids are talking to each other, and one of them looks at it and goes, "What a terrible shot!" And with like a shrug of his shoulders, the other one goes, "Ah well, it's my programming." It's, I, I, I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard because it's so, it's like if a human did that, you'd be like enough of the schmacting. Like let's, right. let's come on, do this the right way. But it's <laughs> out of those, out of the voice box of those stupid droids. It is so funny. Clone is watching. He says, that was a close one. General, I think we're out of range. I agree. But entering another trap, we are. Are you sure? A disturbance in the force there is. So Yoda is in this escape pod with three other clones. It's just there; those four going to the surface of this planet. We cut back to the royal delegation, and Ventress says, Master Yoda's warship has fled the system. What further evidence do you require of the Jedi's weakness? And then the king gets an incoming message. This is King Katunko. Speak. And it's a clone. He says, Master Yoda would like to talk with you, sir. And then we see another hologram, and this time it's of Yoda. And Yoda says, A pleasure it is to hear your voice, your highness. Master Yoda of the Jedi Council, this is. Master Jedi, I thought perhaps Count Dooku had frightened you off. Delayed have I been, but not too far away am I now. Unaware I was, Count Dooku was invited to our meeting. It's good diplomatic kind of language. You know, it's like cutting to the chase here. Forcing your interlocutor to to say, "I know that you know that I know that you know what's going on here," and then also, I mean, it's also just a good way to to make somebody feel in fear. Like, oh, I didn't know they invited you. <laughs> That's right. It's the it's the equivalent of introducing yourself to somebody who you've met before. It's like, uh, I'm so uh, we haven't met before. I'm Daniel. You're like we've what I've met you. King says, "The count invited himself." He assures me that in this time of war, his droids can offer my world greater security than your Jedi. Apparently he is just making it clear that he is deliberating. A matter of debate, that is. And Ventress steps in and she says, Your majesty might prefer more than words. What do you have in mind? If Yoda is indeed the Jedi warrior you believe he is, let him prove it. 
Allow me to send my best troops to capture him. If he escapes, join the Republic. But should my droids defeat Yoda, consider an alliance with the Separatists. I did not request Yoda's presence here to test him in battle. Accept the challenge, I do, Your Highness. Arrive by nightfall, I will. Master Yoda must be given a fair fight. What do you see there? Well, I mean, the two people battling to win the allegiance of someone is, is pretty classic. Yes. Which, which, I, which I really like because from a storytelling standpoint, you're going to see how strong both sides are. But from, but from a character development standpoint, you learn a tremendous amount about each of the characters on both sides. It's a very kind of like we talked about training sequences the last time, right? Like it's a very good yep. way to quickly set up character development. Yep. Same with this. That's what I see here as well. There, I think there's a little bit of David and Goliath going on in this episode of, of small versus large uh, storytelling. And the thing that's real interesting about David and Goliath is there, there's a book. I don't know if you've seen this. It's by, shoot, what's his name? It's by Malcolm Gladwell. Do you know Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah, I have not, I have not read that book, but yes. Sociologist. He wrote a book called David and Goliath, and the idea is something like this. There are times in our culture where one side that looks weak actually has immense strength and the side that looks strong actually is impotent and the david and goliath story is an outstanding example of this where goliath is this huge man he's got heavy armor david comes in he all he has is a sling but apparently people have done studies of slings in the ancient world and you can fling a rock at over 150 miles an hour Holy cow. Goliath is this large looming man, but he he can't move. He can't get to David. David's wearing, you know, cloth as it were. <laughs> you know. Right. And, and all David has to do is just keep picking up rocks and flinging them at high velocity at Goliath. And the the money line was something like when David goes into the valley, he might as well have, you know, had a handgun in his fight with Goliath. The real strength is on David's side, but it appears like all the strength is on Goliath's side. And it seems like there's some of that going on here. Well, and it's that I mean, that's a classic the the classic mistake you can make in a in a in a film. Um, I guess there are three. It's what is it? Never get involved in a land war in Asia. <laughs> never, never get into a battle of wits with a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> and the third one obviously is the smallest character in the room <laughs> never ever ever underestimate that character because he will beat your ass we're adding that to uh, the princess bride script that's a good one <laughs> <laughs> so true though it's all hubris right here totally just, and 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 that's and we, we talked about it earlier that, that is the classic uh, mistake with yoda it is the classic mistake that luke makes mm -hmm. in the empire strikes back when you first meet him it is the classic mistake that dooku makes in 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 revenge of the sith and it's the mistake that they're making here is is underestimating yoda yep to varying degrees of detriment yep there you go size matters not look at me just me by my size, do you? Hmm? Hmm. And where you should not. The, uh, I was thinking of the line where the king says, he must be given a fair fight. It's like, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what comes next. Is uh, 
that Yoda accepts the challenge, the king also is underestimating Yoda. I don't think it's Yoda for whom we should be worried. Right? So funny. And then Yoda pulls back the blue blazer and there's an S on his chest and we're going to see him go to town. So cut back to Yoda. One of the things that is super endearing is Yoda pausing to enjoy the planet. And here's one of the scenes he says, Beautiful this moon is. Hmm? Amazing the universe. Yes. And it gives you a an appreciation for the character at a different kind of level. He's not just a warrior, you know. It's there there there's a there's a depth here. There's I, I don't know if you can think of folks like this, but the scene that comes to mind mm-hmm. is the beginning of Gladiator has Russell Crowe going through his you know, his legion, and he's awaiting a battle to ensue, and there's a little sparrow on a twig nearby, and he is looking at it, and the sparrow flies away, and he watches it with just this small bit of joy, and then his focus uh, goes back to the battle at hand. But it, it's it's a showing, not telling, the humanity of the one who is leading the rest of the troops, which will be a huge part of that movie. And the same is kind of true here. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with you. A- and shows, um, I think it shows uh, th- those character traits, I think shows a connectivity to the world, mm-hmm. like the, the, the sort of the, the nat- nature and the world. If going off of the laws of science fiction, we kind of joked about at the beginning of this, if it's take care of and listen to the planet, it, it is showing that, that in addition to all of the things that these characters have, you need to be connected to the world that you live in. Yeah. I think it, I think it shows a balanced nature, especially with something like the force. If the notion is that everything is connected and bound and the force flows through it, Yoda being not only in tune with himself, uh, his enemies, his, his, uh, his clone troops, and also the little space birds that, that he's, that he's playing with later in the episode, I think just shows his, mastery of of the force yeah it's a good call yeah to push back into gladiator that's something he does he kneels down grabs dirt rubs it in his hand and he smells the soil as though there's more going on here than just my ability to swing a sword at, at the guy in front of me same with uh, I alluded to the Lion King earlier too that mm-hmm. there's that whole scene where Mufasa takes Simba out and and is really telling him to specifically look at the land, like everything yeah. out here we're in charge of. And, and at one point, we'll go back to the land. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures. Good leaders appreciate not only their people, but the physical kingdoms that they oversee. That's a great line. There's one of my favorite movies. I don't know if you've seen Gettysburg. Mm? At the beginning of Gettysburg, the the North and the South are approaching Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and everyone on the northern side keeps mentioning the land. They say, this is wonderful ground. And Robert E. Lee uh, arrives with his southern forces, and one of the first things he says is, I can't get a sense of the land. I don't know where I am. And my your connectedness to the surrounding environment. That's uh, just in. I, I don't know anything about being a warrior, but love that image of. It's it's beyond just feeling comfortable. It is 
It's really being in tune. Yeah. There there's go. a there's a great line in the Tempest, a Shakespeare play, where where um, Prospero is on this island. I mean, the, the sort of quintessential wise old man character. He's literally mm-hmm. a wise old wizard living on this island, and then people from the outside come to it. Who, who don't appreciate it and are afraid of it. And, and there's earthquakes and storms and everything. And, and um, Prospero has a line where he essentially says, do not be afraid. The, uh, the earth may tremble a bit, something like that, which is just <laughs> such a great line where it's like, where, where he is so in tune with this island that he's lived on for years. He, he's not afraid of it. He understands it and he can move with it. The couple scenes where Yoda is meditating end up having that, that element to them, centering yourself, being connected. Love the idea of the force on that front as a, a word for describing that that sort of mystical power of connection there. We'll notice later that the droids, by the way, are not. They're just running over trees or blasting things and not not knowing how to navigate with their tools. Um so but that, uh, that was the other moment I laughed really, really hard at in this moment. It's like we can't get in there. Yes we can. <laughs> right. Smash. <laughs> Well, the clones are actually terrified. The Yoda is is uh, looking at how wonderful the moon is and just in, <laughs> enjoying the scenery. He's a tourist. The clones see this large, separatist ship fly overhead, and they say, "Full battalion in there, probably packing armor too." Jack, who's one of the clones, who's carrying the the minigun, sticks his chest out and says, "We'll have something for him." And there, there begin the personalities and how do you think about warfare is coming out here. And there's a, there's a couple of pregame shots that are taking place here. Ventress and Dooku are confident in their strength and they're talking about how they're going to just roll over Yoda and his three soldiers. And Yoda is getting his team set and he says, Carry only what you need. Too much weight. Slow you down at will. Yoda's not interested in packing a bunch of armor, but the clone was worried that the opposition was going to have all these these heavy resources pushing into a different sort of strength. And then he says something interesting. He said, Yoda says, Destroy Ventress. Your weapons will not. Come, come, Lieutenant. Hurry, we must. I don't know if that's inspiring to hear from your leader. Your, we- your weapons aren't going to be any good. I think <clears throat> I think in the offset, it's not. It it's it, it would it would make me worried, but I think I think Yoda proves to be wise without question or explanation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He he's a he as a leader, he's able to model that self certainty and confidence without it without it bordering on arrogance. I think a lot yeah. of other characters would be like this right here thinks he can whatever. But whereas with Yoda, yeah. it's like just just put your thing down and follow him. They may not know it yet, though. You know. It feels like they're saying the clones that are with Yoda up to be like, we know nothing about this guy. He's a general. <laughs> right, right. And they're learning it. This is also kind of a throwback to Empire. Your your weapons, you will not need them when Luke goes into the dark place. Oh, I didn't think about that. Uh, huh. I like that. Clone leader says, Sir, the rendezvous point is that way. As is our enemy. To reach our goal, a straight path we will not follow. Let's move it, boys. So they're not taking a lag gear. They're not going to the rendezvous point. Yoda looks like he's this very old creature walking with a cane. He's not going to be much help. And the clones may not know that he's trustworthy yet. It's like this this is definitely a suicide mission. You know? It's Willy Wonka 
Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka coming out for the first time with that cane and and being very <laughs> slow. Yes. And then tripping and spinning and jumping up, showing that not only is this guy stronger than yep. we think, he we might be wise to trust him, but we are also in for the ride of our lives in doing so. Oh, that's a great image. Yeah. Yoda's going to be doing some flips here <laughs> soon. And Gene Wilder looked like Yoda for the last 10 years of his life, so it's perfect. <laughs> Ventress says to the droid leader, Find Master Yoda. Uh, what does he look like? He'll be the small, shriveled green one with the lightsaber. Small, huh? Don't worry, Supreme Leader. We'll take care of him. And again, hubris. These are the, the droid lines that I like most. It's just they're they're not quite jokes, but they're just right there. On the edge. Oh, I, th- I think they're hilarious. I think that, to me they are jokes. Like it's just it's just so funny to watch these flimsy, stupid things be so self-assured of of their of their ability to dominate on the battlefield so we see a large battalion of forces with tanks moving out and they're approaching the clones and yoda droid leader says i think i see them they're hiding deep in the trees fire on sector 11 and we cut to the squad and yoda's just just says at ease be my friend Within range, we are not. And this is, I think, the first time where it's like, okay, he's a tacticianer. And he actually is able to correctly say, this is what they're doing, and we're just fine. It's building a little bit of trust here. And then the the droids are unable to get through the forest, and they begin squabbling. Those tanks are too big to follow. See? See? Size is not everything. Mm -hmm. Smaller in number, are we? but larger in mind. <laughs> that, to me, also felt like an Empire callback where, where Yoda says, you know, judge me by my size, do you? Yep. The clones don't quite get. They say to each other, Do uh, you have any idea what the General is talking about? How should I know? There's no figure in a Jedi Master. Which, and again, said as if that's just a common parlance, like, I don't know. <laughs> Like the people say, there's no figure in a Jedi Master. <laughs> like he's one of those characters in Law and Order that is like stacking crates even when the police are still questioning him. Like, I don't know. Now beat it. I got customers. <laughs> Clones. Sir, there are two patrols coming in on foot. Now is the time to face the enemy, Lieutenant. Ambush them, we will. We see the droid army approaching. We'll flank them from the south. Right, let's move. So the clones and Yoda, they all hide. The droids apparently are walking into a kill zone. And there's real tension here, not for the clones, but for the droids. And then a droid is decapitated by blaster fire. And Yoda just simply jumps out. Look, little green life form. You fucking mad. That's the Jedi. He is a little one. Blast him. As a distraction, he starts bouncing on the along the trees. And this again, young green warrior starts yelling. Okay, clank us. Which, by the way, you're not going to hear any language like that from the clones here soon. 
I think this is meant to be nerves and you know, and overconfidence and I'm I'm real strong, see? Yeah, oh totally. And he's gonna get called out on it later. Uh we then see this this wall of super battle droids advancing. The difference between the battle droids, which are kind of the funny ones, and then the super battle droids are those like hefty Arnold Schwarzenegger looking <laughs> droids. I don't know what you would call those here. The droid version of the Orokai. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That, that that actually is what it is, isn't it? A lot more intimidating. When you get to see them in, uh, they pop up in The Mandalorian, mm. you know, when uh, when The Mandalorian is a kid and his parents leave him. And then the droid rips open the his hiding place and he's standing over him, very intimidating. These things can be quite scary. Oh, yeah. Clones are looking around. This is, these super battle droids are advancing. Where's the general? I don't know. We got separated. Clankers! And then all of a sudden, these three clones are in, in real trouble. And, and we cut to another group of pterosaur droids, and they are searching for Yoda. He's around here somewhere. Yoda again jumps out. Hey, get off of me. And he starts jumping from one droid to another, and each of the droids starts shooting each other till he's gotten each of the droids to, to shoot all, uh, all of their friends. It's brilliant. The mischievous side of Yoda. The love of life, the whimsy at which he's conducting himself here. Yeah. There's a nimbleness, but also a tactical approach to it as well. Like, he's having fun, but it's like, well, I'm going to jump here, 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 and here, and then these guys are all going to shoot each other. Yeah. There is, uh, it's not the same, but one of my favorite scenes that this reminds me of is the beginning of X2 where Nightcrawler goes into the White House. Yeah. It's the jumping around and just all of his powers are unleashed in that moment. And no matter how skilled the Secret Service is, they're not going to catch this guy. And and it, it's done with such uh, gymnastic skill and excellence. And it's a, it's a really good, you know, we, we keep talking about the notion of show, not tell, right? And it's it's such a good way to, mm-hmm. to have a character a, seldomly appear do something incredibly impressive, and then vanish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a less is more, and it's mysterious, and it gives you such an understanding of who that guy is, uh, of, yeah. who, of who Nightcrawler is, but also of who Yoda is. Like There's a playfulness to it as well. In order to be able to execute something with excellence at that level, that uh, takes such training, focus, etc. Cut back to the team of the three clones who are trying to outrun the super battle droids. So he thinks he's gonna die. <laughs> you know, I, I hope, I hope our lives were worth it. You're right. Uh, then we see an explosion, and one of the clones is injured. Uh, the other two come to his aid. Can you walk? I think I'm okay. The super battle droid says. <laughs> There's a book of things that bad henchmen say. <laughs> one of the forty sayings, yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah the the cliche handbook. Have you just thought about comparing them to dogs? That would work. <laughs> but the clones are in trouble. And then Yoda jumps over the advancing army of droids and swats away a handful of laser blasts, and he buys time for the other three clones. Where they were b- buying time for Yoda, now he's buying time for them, and they get behind some rocks. Yoda gets back there with them. 
and Yoda pauses, closes his eyes, and <laughs> gets this meditative posture. And again, the trust isn't quite there. One of the clones says, What's the general doing? Keep blasting. So they're going to just start fighting because apparently the, the, the general has called it. <laughs> this is a fun little scene. Again, Superman at work. The super battle droid in front begins to float in the air and turn, and his lasers start firing at the other droids as Yoda manipulates him through the force. What's going on? <laughs> and again, these guys don't have a lot of gags, the super battle droids, but, but he goes, <laughs> he has one here. He says, Get out of the way, all of you. I'm having a serious malfunction. That's such a great moment. And of course, they blow him to pieces. And then Yoda sends this energy wave out that knocks the remaining droids to the ground, and, and they are incapacitated. And the clones say, ha, You found us just in time, sir. Left behind. No one will be. I like up until that moment, Yoda Yoda has kind of been very mischievous and not shown much, yeah. of, not shown much of his hand and, and has allowed people to misunderstand him until he sits down to actually use the Force. And then he is proven to be such a formidable opponent, but but then is able to turn around and say, "Left behind, no one is." Which which again is another moment as I as I will continue to bring up every time I see it. To me, feels like such a moment of of compassion, connection, and sort of a love of brotherhood. Yeah, coming from somebody who is of a faith that seems to routinely say, "No connections, no sentiment." No, nothing. Mm -hmm. Yet all of these Jedi Masters in each of the episodes we've looked at routinely have moments where it's like, clearly they care a lot about the people around them. Truth. We should keep naming that because that will be a central tension throughout this universe, yeah? Mm -hmm. That's The story creators know that's a tension point. And so they, that's, that's good. I like that. How you fight the war matters. That's why, and, and it builds on what happened in the last episode that we looked at, where the Domino Squad gets reamed for leaving one of their guys on the field. This isn't how we fight this war. Absolutely. How you fight the war actually matters. Clones look over and they say, Rollies inbound. Then we see the three destroyer droids coming, and these are the, the droids that, uh, that roll, <laughs> that have the force shield, and, and they take their spot and they start firing. Yoda says, Retreat! Do I will. Yoda starts swatting away the fire as the clones retreat. And again, it's the case that some generals have, you know, their protective guards, but he's different. He is protecting everybody else and trying to elevate them to become stronger. There's a clanker on a hologram talking to Ventress. He says, Republic troops are injured. The Jedi is in full retreat, Supreme Leader. Good. Pursue them without delay. The king says, The contest is not over yet. And he has a hologram. Master Yoda, I hear you're having trouble with the droid army. Trouble? I know nothing of this trouble. We've been having a great time out here just uh, shooting hoops. Yeah, it's it's the real version of that moment in, in, in A New Hope where, where it's like, uh, no, uh, no, no trouble down here. We're all fine. Thanks. How are you? <laughs> like, this is, this, it's a genuine moment to be like, nope, yeah, there's literally no trouble here. Look forward to our meeting soon, I do. Jedi won't elude me for long. Ventress destroys the communicator. We cut to the most important scene in the, in the episode. 
The clones are walking along the side of a set of caves, and one says, Are you sure we should go in there, General? There's no way out. Now rest, we must. The four of them will camp here, and they're waiting for the battle in the morning. And we begin a... This is a real common scene, isn't it? In war movies, you have fought all day long, and then at night, you kind of entrench. And you have your fire, and that's when the conversations take place. Mm Mm-hmm. And to bring it up again, like this happens in Gettysburg. A lot of a lot of the exposition and hearts of the characters come in these kinds of scenes. It happens in uh, Black Hawk Down. Has this kind of scene of at night. Can you think of any? There, there's a great scene. It's they're not actually in battle yet, but they will be in in Jojo Rabbit. Uh-huh. There, the there's a scene where these two little boys have been put through the paces in their military training thing and and they're they're going to sleep in a tent together and and they're just friends and they're they're brothers and they're talking and resting and thinking about what their futures are going to look like yeah oh you know what the scene is it's the pre-battle scene they do this in game of thrones there's a big one in game of thrones prior to the the battle in uh winterfell in the last season You, you know what i'm talking about there did you see this? I absolutely do. Yeah, it's it's the it's the drink with me sequence in in the musical version of Les Misérables. You know, right before yes. all of these students go off to fight this giant battle, they have that kind of final like, I don't know what's going to happen. Not sure if I'm going to live. Not sure if I'm going to die. But let's go out there. Yeah, I suppose it's in Hamilton. Now that you say it that way, I may not live to see our glory. That we'll tell the stories of tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so the four of these of our soldiers are going to camp in this cave and they're waiting for the battle in the morning. And they're talking about the job at hand, but then that always, you know, in these sorts of scenes, it morphs into something more and you get to hear the hearts of your characters. And again, there's going to be this message about strength. One of the clones says, We're low on ammo, sir. Only two grenades and one rocket for the launcher. Against a battalion. Forget it. We've lost. And Yoda says, So certain of defeat are you? Hmm? And there's an Empire callback. Always with you, what cannot be done. Yeah. With respect, General, maybe you should go on. Let us slow him down. Yeah, he's he's just ready to give up. I'm I just wanna <laughs> just call it. <laughs> and Yoda is making a crutch for for him out of a rifle barrel. All around us is that which we need to prevail. Yes. <laughs> Come, sit. Your helmets, remove them. Your faces I wish to see. This is this goes along where you were saying it's the humanizing side. And we're going to see the opposite a handful of times uh, with some of the leaders that we get introduced to in the Clone Wars who don't care at all about the clones' faces. And the clones are the ones who take their helmets off in order to get in people's grill and show I am an individual and you will respect me. I am a man but here yoda knows that they're human beings and that they have value yeah that that really struck me too the the fact that yoda clearly sees them all as individuals each of which he cares about and can tell that each of them cares about and is worried about something different Mm -hmm. like he's able like you're worried about this you're afraid of this you can't tell this i think that's i think that's huge um the idea that inside of the force everything and everyone has value 
seems really, really important to him and to to this scene and obviously to the to the the universe in which Star Wars is contained. Yeah, it shouldn't be lost on us that it's probably the reason that they put this episode as number one in the whole series is because this is a primary message. All of these clones look the same and yet finding their unique identity and their own journey and desires and pursuits just it matters. The clone leader says an often quoted line. There's not much to look at here, sir. We all share the same face. Deceive you, eyes care. In the force, very different each one of you are. It's not just that Yoda gives them humanity and knows that they are different, but that he has already observed their differences because he cares about them. Yeah? Yeah. Goes along what we saw with Kenobi and landing at Point Rain, where he knew the clones by name, knew their skill sets, and, and that, that goes along here. Yoda has that same kind of heart. Greece, always focused on the enemy, are you? For inspiration, look to yourself and those beside you. Not only understands who he is, what he cares about, Yoda's teacher heart comes out here. He's treating them like Jedi, yeah? Yeah, totally. And and it, he's giving them a pep talk. Fun fact, this is the only appearance of this clone. And they do this sometimes where they just, they introduce a clone for one episode. They have their part to play. But it, it creates that world building where all sorts of different clones are coming in and out. You never really know which ones are sticking around and which ones are going to be with you forever. But this is this is a clone that has a moment here with a central character and will participate in it, but we're not going to see him again. And the same is true of the next character, whose name is Jack. Concerned about weapons you are. Weapons do not win battles. Your mind, powerful it is. Mm. Outthink the droids. You can. Yeah, where's your strength, really? And, and again, that theme of the episode. And then he turns to the last clone. Fire, rush not into fights. Long is the war. Only by surviving it will you prevail. And Thyre is the injured clone. And this clone actually will be in the series till the end. And it's worth noting, this isn't a spoiler, but it, it's worth noting where this clone appears. Actually, let me pause there. I wanted to ask you about those, the, all these quotes. Mm -hmm. Anything you see there with, uh, with his message to these three clones? You know, I, nothing that we really haven't already talked about. I just think it's, it's just another one of these moments where he is shown to be a wise, caring, empathetic leader. Yeah. He, he, a leader, but also, but also a teacher. The wisdom here isn't profound, but the heart of the character is really exposed here. Oh, yeah. And the, 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 the music that creeps through as Yoda starts to talk... Mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it is it Yoda's theme? I don't actually know, but but I mean, you, you hear it so many times in Empire when Yoda talks to to Luke, and also in in Jedi, it coming back in there. It's 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 a perfect callback moment. It, it's a riff that you you recognized. Yeah, clear, clear, a John Williams riff, I guess, is, yeah. is is what I'll say. Just easier to say the John Williams riff that plays through in the cave scene uh, feels yeah. very nostalgic and 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 fan servicey but in the best way in, in one of the few yeah. times when it's like this is kind of a fan service moment but gosh it doesn't it doesn't disappoint you or let you down mm. in, in the way that perhaps some things do 
in the Star Wars canon. So many people are being handed the reins to Star Wars now and being invited to be stewards of these characters and the property. And, and when they bring in those elements, ah, it's just, just rich. Uh, there's a line in one of my favorite movies. It's a Kevin Klein movie uh, where, where he, he's this professor at this school and he tells, uh, he tells this kid that he's cutting through the grass, but he's like, he, doesn't, he tells him to walk on the sidewalk and, and he's like, that's you know, better for the grass. He's like, no, it's better for you. And then he tells him, walk on the path, walk where the great men before you have walked. And that's what I feel about. Oh, that's a good line. Yes, all these people are doing Star Wars now, but John Williams and, and these guys, you must, you must do them justice and follow their, what, the, what they've created. Mm-hmm. Is that from In and Out? <laughs> no, that would be f- hilarious if it was. It's it's from a film called The Emperor's Club. Oh, of course it is. Okay, it, but it's funnier if we say it's from In and Out. <laughs> well, I bring it up because it would have been awesome. Because you know who directed In and Out? Frank Oz. Come on. Uh, so this last clone is is interesting because uh, they will eventually become second in command. This is Thyre. Thyre's the in- injured clone here. Thyre will eventually become second in command of a division, the Corsican Guard, that patrols the Senate grounds. And their responsibility is escorting senators and diplomats to other worlds as well as protecting the Senate. Thyre will not be named in future episodes, but we should read some stuff into this character. It gets interesting when we know about future stories. For example, we will see a set of episodes where Ahsoka is on the run from Corsican Guard and this injured clone would likely be the leader of that pursuit. But more importantly, in episode three, Yoda will battle Palpatine in the Senate chambers, and then he will sneak away, and he's, you know, he's going through the, the air ducts, and he's being pursued by the Corsican Guard. Hurry! Careful timing we will need. This character, Thyre, after Order 66, would have been the clone in charge of hunting down Yoda. There's no sign of his body, sir. Then he's not dead. Double your search. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Tell Captain Kagi to prepare my shuttle for immediate takeoff. Yes, master. Oh, man. So, too. Isn't that good? That's, 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 oh, that's, I like that. It's likewise the case that then that division would have escorted Palpatine to Mustafar, and this character would have been the one to pick up Anakin from the lava. The image of Yoda both helping and training and and elevating, it's just, again, one of those parts of the fabric of this story that should break our hearts when we get to Order 66. Oh, totally. And there you go. I thought that was fun. This series feels like you're reverse engineering a story. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's in a, in a in a reactive way it's validating the prequel films. Clones you may be, but the force resides in all life forms. Use it you can to quiet your mind. And again, just deeply humanizing. Juxtapose this to stuff that we heard from Lama Su in the last episode who's just ready to dismiss utterly these creatures yeah almost talking about them like they're like they're bad cookies yeah you can throw this batch out they wake up the next morning they see the approaching forces breeze says tanks is that the best they can throw at us yeah but i've only got one shot left greet them i will general you don't plan to take that whole column by yourself 
Yoda says, <clears throat> Have you three, I do. Outnumbered are they. Know the time to help me. You will. I love everything about that last that line. Mm-hmm. The, there's so much. There's so much here. Uh, do you hear anything here? There are moments where you hear teachers or coaches or generals say that in films, where it's like, "We got something they don't have," and and it's and it's heart, which which feels a bit. <laughs> the way I've said that is very cliche as as, as I hear it yeah. coming out of my mouth. But there but there is a lot to that. I think he knows like we care about each other. We're this. We're kind of this brotherhood. Uh, and, and we know how to do this and, and that's what they don't have. So, so we will be okay. They're the ones who should worry. The thing that hits me here is that there is a message of trust being extended by a very powerful person to these students. And it's again, an elevation, like the, the four of us have everything that's required right here. They're outnumbered. And by the way, I'm going to go do something. I already trust you to know when it is time for you to help me in the future. You got to empower your students. In these in this episode Yoda feels like the quintessential teacher. Yeah. And this is one of the better just visually striking Yoda scenes and they know that this is good cuz this is where I had that they 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 bring in the Yoda theme from John Williams. He is in front of the caravan of uh, you know tanks and and lots of droid soldiers. And he's sitting there in meditation. He holograms Ventress and he says, Supreme Leader, we found the Jedi. Excellent. Where is he? He's just sitting here in front of our tank. And Ventress knows that this is a threat. Shoot him. Shoot him now! Quickly. Ready? Aim. Fire. Fire. And then it's on. Yoda awakens, flips in the air towards the army. He lands. His leg is kind of out, kind of like a Spider-Man land. Oh, yes, yes. He throws his arm to the side, and a green lightsaber comes out, and then he starts hauling at (laughs) at the army in front of him. It's just stellar all around. Sound editing. He slices eight droids in half. And then he goes over, and you'll be familiar with this. He cuts the hole in the bottom of the tank, pulls it out, and jumps inside. And the image that kept coming to my mind when I watched this a couple times is it's a wood chipper. The droids run out of the tank. And they get pulled back in. And then they get spat back out. It's like like a wood chipper does. It's like... (laughs) All the droid pieces go breaking. And then the one that's sitting on top starts getting you know pulled down bit by bit like Chrissy at the beginning of Jaws it's like <laughs> but he says but I just got promoted. that is the best joke in that I've seen in the series so far like that felt like the Looney Tunes to me like that that you know the the running and running in air being being broken up into little bits and then somebody who's about to meet their demise but I just got promoted is 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 gold is just gold wonder I wonder how high up in the ranks you can get there as a uh, you know as a battle droid <laughs> yeah right yeah I guess he has his own tank but the three clones are just watching from the sidelines and one of them says doesn't look like the general needs help to me then we see the king and Ventress watching, and the king says, that's a lot of smoke for a surrender. <laughs> that's a good dig. I didn't catch that. It's great. <laughs> Ventress says, Report. What's going on over there? 224, come in. 
Where is Choo Choo 4? These droids do not have humanity. They're still numbers, apparently. The droid says, <laughs> yeah, the hologram of the droid pops up. And he says, Destroy Supreme Leader. The Jedi has overrun our position and and he gets beheaded on the, on the when you see Yoda run across him like a like the hand in Mars Attacks that comes off of the alien and runs <laughs> across Jack Nicholson. Right, that is what that is. <laughs> Similar to in Empire Strikes Back, there's a scene where there's a bunch of holograms of Imperial officers and they're going into the into the asteroid field, and one of them. Like the guy suddenly jerks to the side and then his hologram is erased. Like, like he just got hit and died right here while yeah. doing communication. It feels like that. The king says, I think perhaps all those stories about the Jedi are true. The fight isn't over yet, Majesty. So she sends out a dozen destroyer droids and they roll, roll off the line and into battle. Anything you see in there? Just... More hubris. Yeah, right. Misplaced hubris never ends well. Kind of got some anger on top of that. It's like I have confidence, 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 and things aren't going well. It must be their fault, and now I'm just going to yell louder, push harder. Totally. That's good leadership right there. (laughs) I've always thought that. Clones, cut to the clones. They say the journal's cutting them up, but then they see the destroyer droids roll in, and as we've seen from other episodes these are the droids that the jedi generally have a problem with they have a force shield they're able to quickly get into these spaces (laughs) he says we've got trouble the clank has sent reinforcements the general's too busy with that tank he won't see him coming i think i know how to deal with them and he pulls out the bazooka who doesn't want to fire a bazooka Oh, yeah, just the most destruction with with one thing. Pulls out the bazooka, fires on the rock formation. It hits. There's an avalanche, and the clones fulfill Yoda's, what is that, a prophecy? He, they knew when to help? Yeah. Great yeah. shot, sir. That's giving it to the clankers. And they're cheering, and they go down, and there's Yoda sitting, joined by two birds at one with everything. Yeah. The visual of that scene is great. And maybe it's just the those red alien birds juxtaposed on his green finger is just such a striking scene. Mm-hmm. It feels there's a lot of peaceful Yoda moments where like even the notion even though he goes on to to kick the crap out of them, the the notion of tanks rolling up to you and and the notion that you would sit down in front of them and just and and be peaceful. Yeah. Is I mean we've seen that image before in history and and everything so it's just the the um they are fighting but it sort of feels like righteous fighting, you know, as opposed to just murder. Yeah, it shows a directedness. Mm, that's that's a good way to say that. A, I know I know who I am. It's not just all anger and rage. This comes out in episode one with Maul pacing back and forth in front of Qui-Gon when Qui-Gon sits down to meditate there. And Qui-Gon's going to die, but it's still the case that, yeah, Qui-Gon knows who he is and Maul doesn't. Yeah, and there's a security in that. Yeah, that's a good word. Learn something today, have you, Lieutenant? I think we all did, General. What did they learn? I think they learned the value of patience. I think they learned the value of listening to each other and being in tune with what's going on around them. The economy of their weapons, like, like, well, we've only got one shot. Well, you'll know when to use it the right way. I think, I think they've just learned. Mm. I think they've learned a lot about patience, listening, and and being present. 
It's a good word. Cut to the king. He is uh, in a conversation with a hologram of Dooku. He says, You were right, Count Dooku. One Jedi is not worth a hundred battle droids. More like a thousand. I'm sorry, but I will be joining the Republic. I urge you to reconsider, wise king. I promise you won't regret it. Your agent also promised me Yoda would get a fair fight. I will not deal with those who break their words. Getting a higher ethic here? Kind of, though. Don't, could, did you feel like there was a... Um, to me, it felt like with this king, it there was there was a... I will side with whoever does the best in this battle. Like, like it doesn't even mm -hmm. feel like there's as much of an attachment to doing things the right way as like, look, I'm going to side with whoever is the one that wins this fight. I guess, yeah. He never calls out shenanigans during the fight like, like i felt like the first part of the episode he sort of sets himself up as being very noble but then you kind of realize as the battle goes on it sounds like he's going to side with whoever wins the fight yeah and it just so happens to be yoda yeah i think that's right dooku says so be it perhaps our negotiations will be more fruitful with your successor address Kill him. If this negotiation isn't going well, I'm sure that you have a, a vice president, don't you? <laughs> That's the rules with fascists, right? Like you, 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 you change the rules until you go until until the the rules stop going in your favor, and then you just cheat. Well, then the Tordarian guards step in, and they start firing on Ventress because she's not going to kill their king. But Ventress easily blocks the blast, like you know force wielders do. And then she swings at the king, both of her lightsabers, and suddenly is frozen. And Yoda stops her with the force, which isn't very common. Inventorus is going to fight both Anakin and right. Obi-Wan at the same time numerous times. And if she was this easy to put down, they would do it. But here, Yoda is just like, whoop. You know, it, it's again, just ridiculously powerful. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's the power of Professor Xavier versus the power of Jean Grey. Like, he can... He can do so much more than her, even though they technically have the same powers. It's a great comparison. Yep. King opens his eyes. He says, Jedi Master Yoda, I am very pleased to meet you at last. Share the feeling I do, King Katunko. <laughs> Failed you, Ventress has. Come. Ventress says, I don't fear you, Jedi. Strong you are with the dark side, young one. But not that strong. Is that Return of the Jedi quote? It is. He says this before he dies. Strong am I with the Force, but not that strong. It's a little mantra in his head, you know? It feels just like a humility thing. You know, it's, it's yeah. what, the, the notion of I know now that I know nothing. The You know, Socrates or... Is that Socrates? Am I that is. screwing that up? Uh-huh. That's from... Uh, from the apology which do you this is totally a digression and I, I said this to a friend the other day and he was like that that ruins the idea of socrates to me i was like i need to ask jeff about this do you <laughs> feel like socrates saying i know now that i know nothing is actually kind of a dick move like like it's oh it's meant that way so it when this is said he is in front of 500 of his countrymen he's on trial yeah and He's on trial for worshiping the wrong gods and corrupting the youth of Athens. And he's giving a defense. Defense in Greek is the word apology. Mm. He's trying to explain how he got to where he what he is. And essentially he's saying, we're all idiots. None of us know anything. Right. 
the right. one thing I, I got going for me is that I know this. Somebody comes to him and, and says, I went to the Oracle and the Oracle told me that you're the wisest person in, in the world. And he, and he laughs. He says, that can't be true. I don't know anything. Right. And then he realized that the Oracle's word, that's how it works. It's God's fault. God <laughs> told me that I was the wisest person, but I don't know anything. And then I realized the Oracle was true. He is wisest who, like Socrates, knows that he knows nothing. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know. I didn't realize all that. That's background. To me, it just sounded like my reading of it, not not being a philosophy student in any way, shape, or form. I was like, this is a guy giving the middle finger to all these people and being like, hey, you know what? I guess it's all kind of bullshit. Isn't it? Well, they do poison him after he says right. that. Right. So. <laughs> but my, my buddy, uh, he's like, well, that ruins Socrates for me. I was like, does it? Kind of makes me like him more. Socrates is a war hero. He's an older man. He's a blue collar worker. He's a stone cutter. And he's just that interesting dude that loves his city and hates the, the leadership. Yeah. It's a tale often told of uh, those who inherit power and wealth are generally not the ones who are worthy of it, but they've gained it through inheritance or, you know, yeah. some nefarious means. No, I, that's, see, I also didn't know that. That's, that's super yeah. cool. Yoda does a great move at this point. He pulls Ventress's lightsabers out of her hands to show that he can't. He says, still much to learn you have. And then he hands her her lightsabers back. But it's just like, just so you know that you're not winning today, uh, I'm going to take your weapon and then hand it back to you just for fun. Well, yes, I I really liked that moment. I, I thought that was I think that's another moment that speaks so much to Yoda's character. He you know it's it's he's just beaten her, and 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 most characters you see in film and television and even even literature would take that opportunity to sort of ridicule or mock that character. But Yoda doesn't insult her or mock her or belittle her. He yes. he simply forces her to pause and 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 kind of again becomes a in another moment becomes a teacher, saying you've still got a lot yep. to learn. And almost, it's it's like I'm giving you the opportunity to learn what the right thing is. It's exactly it. he's humanizing this person. It just like he was humanizing the clones. Yeah, it's a it's a Jean Valjean refusing to kill Javert even though he has the opportunity mm. to because because what at what purpose would that serve? God, that's good. I like that. That that's that's the image here. It's a mercy because he's he's so whimsical. It just, again, strikes me as he's just having fun with this person. It, but that's not what's going on. He's, it's not a cat and mouse situation. It's a, I can actually see this person's value. Uh, we'll find out later that Ventress is an abused woman uh, who, you know, like Maul, you know, has been kidnapped and emotionally and physically injured over years. And we'll need to come to terms with that. And I don't know if Yoda can sense that in the way that he can understand who the clones are. But oh, that's in, that's it's just mercy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, to, that's, I mean that's what I saw. At least it just, it just seemed like he and he doesn't need to be, which I guess that's what mercy is like, <laughs> choosing yeah. to do something kind when you don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> that's grace. <laughs> In Sharing the Same Face, which is the first chapter of the Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark, which was just released, there's a great image of the inner life of Ventress. Yoda could feel Ventress's rage driving waves through the Force. 
as if a youngling had thrown a heavy rock into a still pond. But beneath her anger, he sensed raw hurt and a hunger for connection, for belonging. It was unfortunate that Dooku had sent Ventress rather than confront Yoda himself, but perhaps the apprentice could be taught a lesson that might help her find a different path than the destructive one chosen by the master. I think this brings a lot of light to this scene. I assume she could surrender. If Ventress surrenders at this moment in time, Yoda, who just handed her her lightsabers back, I imagine would extend more mercy to her. This might be an invitation of real healing here. And yet she pulls out a detonator, blows up a, a bomb that she had set earlier. Boulders begin to fall, and she runs away. Yoda quickly catches them, moves the boulders to the side, and then we watch as Ventress flies off. And Yoda says, In the end, cowards are those who follow the dark side. I was going to say, that's a killer line. That is such a great, like, yeah. button. <laughs> right? That is what that is. Surrender isn't about Dooku. It's about her. It's about her individually having an opportunity to no longer serve the dark side. And yet, there it is. She is compelled by the dark side and runs. Oh. And it's 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 that we, I mentioned the the Jean Valjean Javert thing. It's that that in, almost that inability to accept grace, which you know in in, in Les Mis drives Javert yeah. to kill himself because like I'm, I can't yep. live with this person giving me the opportunity to do the right thing. I'm not taking mm. that. So you know she she of course <laughs> flees back to Dooku to to only further go down this destructive path. Is it? Dooku says, It's a pity I wasn't there in person, my old master. A pity, indeed. My fallen apprentice. As he turns to the king. Perhaps now. Begin negotiations, we can. King says, That is not necessary, my friend. You have my faith. Toidaria would be honored to host a Republic base. My people are at your service. Again, trust popping up all over in these uh, episodes. And he hands him a sword representing allegiance. And Yoda says, Your Majesty, fail you. We will not. And great kind of closing scene here. There's a shot of the three clones. They're still injured. It's post-battle. But there's success. And the outro music is actually the riff at the end of Empire Strikes Back. It's that the... That, so this is one of my favorite Star Wars pieces. Top three. It has a different kind of feeling to it. It's got kind of a melancholy mm -hmm. side, and yet it's still very hopeful. And that fanfare is playing, and they load onto the gunship. And again, the gunships are just my favorite. Just beautiful sound design and, and uh, visuals. And they fly off. And there you go. Last word on this episode. You know, I don't think I would have said this going into this conversation, but but it just it feels like... The whole episode is just about trust and listening, I guess, learning as well, mm -hmm. Who, you know. As we were talking through this, we said it earlier that this is an episode that feels like it's really geared for kids. And yet I find it just a very rewatchable. It's rewatchable in the same way that I like rereading The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. It's a kid's book, but there's something about goodness in The Hobbit that just pops off the pages. There's wisdom and goodness, and and there's a world that I enjoy. And that's what comes out in this, is uh, it's not really adult themes, but the goodness that is displayed in the characters is real compelling, and it's, it's worthy of the binge. 
even though maybe they're not lessons that adults need to learn, there's not adult things in it. On the flip side is maybe we kind of do. Sure. Maybe we, you know, if, if you look at the last, what, 20 years, I mean, all of humanity, I guess, but specifically like the last 20 years, it feels like maybe these are lessons we all do need to learn still as adults. And maybe this goes to some of the stuff being said in the cave. It's just, it's very simple, but it's, you know, as we said earlier, there's only three lessons you need to know. You said no land wars in Asia. No, going in against a Sicilian. I forgot the third one already. What was it? Don't be a racist. Take care of the planet. Be, that, <laughs> yeah. was, that was what was our, our other list. <laughs> Don't be a racist. Take care of the planet. Don't create machines that rep, self-replicate. Yes, that's right. Yeah, right. There it is. <laughs> You're going to be just fine, humanity. This is, this is what science fiction is for. Uh, that might we will have to have the is Star Wars science fiction conversation at some point as well. I mean, yes. Well, the the idea would be that something like uh, science fiction, you actually need to have some grounding in reality. Hmm. So, is it the case that this is science fiction, or is it more fantasy? It looks like it's science fiction, but it's actually it's actually space wizards. You know, <laughs> it's, it's something like that. That's a good point. Where whereas something like. Um well, we mentioned Philip K. Dick is science fiction without a question. Yeah. You know what I mean? Asimov yeah, yeah. is science fiction. They want to ground everything in Star Trek. They want to have some sort of grounding in reality. At least like that. Yeah. You know, everything is futuristic. But whereas Star Trek, it's it's um, all the episodes where you see Jean-Luc Picard go back to France. He's at a winery like it's the future uh-huh. and it's very futuristic. But there's still this connection to the earth in his character that he's he's still working with his hands he's still mm. he's still interacting with the environment rob, rob pointed that out and i was like damn you that yeah. is that is brilliant and i've never thought of that goes to a lot of the imagery here that there's grounding i have found so I, we haven't i don't know that i've said this on the binge yet but I, you know i lost my job uh at the beginning of the pandemic and after a while one of the first things that i did that i felt really good about myself and my situation was I built a bunch of uh, of gardens of raised beds and filled them with dirt and started planting stuff and that was just good for my heart and soul to just uh, getting up every morning and creating compost and watering plants and then eating them is an experience I've never had before and that was uh, it was super satisfying I can see why it's it's an old man thing to do in my, in my mind and the on another side i'm like this is this is just truly satisfying uh nick offerman always says there there is there's tremendous value and worth to working and doing things with your hands whether it's planting a garden or making a chair or baking a pie cuz cuz he mm. always says you come away with something that you can use but more importantly if you Build a what does he say? If you plant a garden, people get to eat the vegetables. If you build a chair, people get to sit on it. If you build a pie, people get to eat it and be together. Yeah, which I think is super profound. That's an excellent line. That's an excellent line. In fact, that's what uh, we're doing with this. Hopefully, it's the case that Lucasfilm will. We love you, Lucasfilm. Everyone out there needs to subscribe to Disney Plus and buy toys. Absolutely. Um, it, in order to sponsor us doing this for free for educational purposes. Uh, so that, 
<laughs> I think we can get we can skirt lawsuits. I heard if it's for educational purposes that are not for profit. But the real reason I'm doing this with my friend who I love is because it's creating something beautiful for the sake of creating something beautiful and 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 human connection. Which which yeah, same here. Come on. Hey, you want to hear what's up next? Of course. We are going to go back uh, into the story of the Domino Squad. They have been released from uh, the university and have taken their first post Ooh. on the uh, in the Outer Rim. Great story. So we catch up with Heavy Cut Up Echo and Fives and Droid Bait as they uh, man a post. There's going to be a, a handful of characters that are important to the whole of the Clone Wars that are in this next episode. I believe it's episode five of season one, if you want to listen to it or watch it before the ep- our next episode comes out. You got anything else? Nope. Hey, you can find uh, the binge list online. You can share your thoughts with us on the Twitter. If you really like this podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with somebody that you love who cares about the Star Wars universe. And... At some point, we're going to figure out a great sign-off that we will add here, probably prior to publishing this. (laughs) But presently, it's been, this is the way, or I have spoken, or something nerdy dumb. But the one we haven't gone is the more sentimental. I love you. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of that last week. I was like, I'm not saying. Without setting it up, it's weird. (laughs) My brother and I could say that to each other, but it, it's it's uh, sure. it's questionable if people who yeah. <laughs> you could say I'm not afraid, and I could say you will be. <laughs> <laughs> this is why they just go with "May the Force be with you," and they call it a day. I I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's in your mother's shed. See. See? Size is not everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm Jeff Cook. I sense you are one who respects strength, Your Highness. And you want to know why, Daniel? Because this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. One conversation anyway. That's a good that's a good end right there. <laughs>